We said there's also a category of people who there's also a category of people who because they're called an apikaris. So when we spoke about a min and he defined a min as somebody who denies either the validity or the power or the extent of the power of Hashem. So now he's going to talk about an apikaris is not talking directly about Hashem, but it's talking about the principle of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with people. So, for example, in Afrikaris, either a person who says, There's no such thing as prophecy. There's no knowledge which Hashem transfers to people. There's no way of Hashem communicating with people. If a person feels like that, so he's not denying Hashem. But he's denying the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can speak or make all his will known to people. That's called Apikaris. Same thing. The Amin is a Amin doesn't believe there's a God. Right. Of course, does, but doesn't believe that he's they interacting with interacting us. Right. And number two, the which is just application of the same rule we just said, and that is the Nevoah of Moshe was the the height of the that was the greatest in the Nevim. So even besides for denying Nevoah per se, if a person is Machmish the of Moshe. Now, what, what he means by that, we'll see in a moment. And thirdly, the Hashem doesn't know what people do. So, either it goes both ways. The first one is that people don't know what Hashem says. You know, people can't, Hashem can't communicate with people. That is not in the word. That would be an apocalypse. And say the other way around. Hashem doesn't know what people do. So, there's no, so to speak, knowledge the other way around either. That would also be an apocalypse. In other words, Apikaris basically we're defining as a detachment, a person who feels as a detachment between Hashem and people, they can't relate to each other, even if it doesn't deny that Hashem exists, but in a case like that, then that person is called an Apikaris. Okay, now the inside here is like this. Where, where does this, this mistaken philosophy of Apikaris come from? So here's the interesting thing. There's a makam that can come from a very, like a very bad place. Or, there's even the possibility of it coming from a place which is wrong, but for the person who thinks like that, he actually thinks it's a good place. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? The, the one option is that it's coming from a point of, let's say this, that The word apikaris is related to, or at least the Shorish of it, even it's a Greek word, is related to the word hefker. It says the world is ownerless. And therefore, there's no interaction between the Creator and the world, even if Hashem, a person is willing to admit that Hashem created the world, but there's no, like, the, like in the words of Chazal, Azov Hashem is Aret. There's no longer a connection between Hashem and the world. Hashem doesn't communicate with the world, the world doesn't communicate with Hashem, they have no interaction between each other. Which means the world is Hefka. It was created, but now the Master is Hefka. There's no, so to speak, control of what people do. Either it doesn't care or it lost control. Yeah, whatever, what the reason why there's no control, we can, there can be another of options, a number of options. But whatever it is, as a result, therefore, this world becomes Makam Hefka. Now, the obvious question on, on that mistaken belief is 
Why did Hashem create a world if He's going to lose control of it? Or if He doesn't care about it? Again, we position it, He's the Bayre, and He could create the world he wants, to be, what he wants it to be. So even if we weren't talking about the superior intelligence of HaKadosh Baruch, we're just talking about a human being. Think about it. In both of these cases, a person isn't going to do this. A person isn't going to go to tremendous effort to make a very complex uh, machine, which then he says, all right, I made the machine. I just let it leave it alone. Well, what did you make it for? Right? If you made it, you made it to use it. You made it because it was meant to do something. So then to say, no, I just made it to make it, and now I'm leaving it alone, isn't, no one would do that. Well, okay, just no one would do that. And therefore to say, Hashem created the world and then, having created it, now he just let it seriously free will, free will into wherever he wants to go, is the same thing. Why should bother to create something which he isn't going to be involved in? Now, about people, now this is always a counter-argument I get when I say this, and that is you're talking about. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. People create things to see, can we do it? Right, so they went to the experiment, and now the, the experiment worked. So they, 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 they always get this counter-argument. That either or not. I still just want to create the world to, to, to create the world. And now, they, now that they actually manage to do it, it doesn't need it anymore. Now, that's a ridiculous thing to say. And I'll tell you why. A person does an experiment because they're not sure either what, if they can do it, or they're not sure what the result's going to be. So they want to see what's going to happen. Let's try. Let's try the experiment and see what happens as a result. Or let's see, let me try the experiment and see if I can do whatever the result is meant to, well, meant to, meant to be. So then a person, because he doesn't know the outcome, he does the experiment. But if you know 100% what the outcome is going to be, and you know what you've done it 100 times, there's nothing to experiment about. There's nothing to experiment about. I know what's going to happen. So I don't have to experiment a lot. And if that's the case, Hakadosh Baruch also, he knows what he can, what he can do, and he knows what's going to happen. So there's no reason for Hashem to keep experiment building worlds. Right? And see, that's Hashem knows. Hashem knows more than that. Hashem makes what happens happen. So that's okay. So there's no logic to say that it was just, uh, so to speak, an attempt. So then we go back to what we said before. So it's not a logical position to say Hashem, so to speak, created the world if He's not going to have anything to do with it after that. Now, what's the other option? The other option is, well, maybe the world went its own course by the, the world went its own course by the so That's not what Hashem wanted particularly, but Hashem kind of broke free and did its own thing. And this also isn't a logical option. This is not a logical option because the master we see that the world that the world can't break free. If the world attack it detach itself from Hashem completely, then there might be such a havamina. It's a mistake, but there might be such a havamina. But the master we see that being as the world still needs Hakadosh Baruch Hu, it can't detach itself from Him. So that's the case to say that no, the, the the people made their own decisions, and as a result of that. Hashem isn't Hashem isn't doesn't isn't aware, doesn't know what people are doing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Nako explains he's going to talk about it himself later on. And if that's the case, we'd have to the, the understanding that it's a, it's a mistake. If it's coming from the point of Fkarus that either person wants to believe that they can do what they want because either Hashem doesn't know or Hashem doesn't care, it's a mistake. But there was another Mahalachi also. That came from an opposite point of view. And that is, not that Hashem doesn't know that the world, so to speak, detached itself or divested itself of Him. It came from a different point. It came from the point, and that is, it's not important enough for Hashem to care about. 
It's not important to have Hashem to care about. And this is built up that what? A person can hear Hashem speak. What are you talking about? Hashem is so great and a person is so insignificant. So how is it possible for a person to hear Hashem speak? It's kimat, an insult, so to speak, to the goddess of Hashem to look at it that it can relate to a person. They're just way too far apart from each other. And the same thing the other way around. A person does, what, some small insignificant act that a person does, Hashem cares about. Is nothing better to do at this time? It's kind of minimizing Hashem. Like the Gemara says in Chodem, You have a chicken. So I held it out this way, I held it out that way. The Bara Adam cares about that. And therefore, this is, I'm saying, I'm saying the, the, the argument of Apikarsa. But I'll tell you, it came from a point of Ki'ilu putting Hashem on a pedestal. That Ki'ilu, Akhadish Baruch is too great to either relate to this world or care about this world. Sorry? It could be either Shetov or Stamkir or whatever it's going to be. But uh, that was the second point. And then again, this is a big mistake. And the, the riot that this is a mistake is so then, why did Hashem bother to create the world in such detail? It's the same argument as before. If He doesn't care about it, so why, did he build, why did He make it? You can't use the same argument over Exactly the point that you're saying is the argument against it. And that is, well, Hashem did concern Himself with the world because you see, He made it. So we're just going to throw the question back a stage. So why did Hashem make the world? That's a fair question. But what I mean by that is, it's not a clearer question because you're admitting the reality. Hashem made the world. You want to know why? We can try to give a reason. But as, in as much as you understand that He made the world, and you have to explain why He made the world, so you have to understand by the same token, He's running the world. In other words, the clear the element that occurs comes from the point of He doesn't see Hashem running the world. He doesn't see Hashem speaking to the people. He doesn't see that that people or people do make some difference to Hashem the other way around. And therefore, He doesn't. Therefore, it's a question of, like we said, this is where the argument's coming. That why would a why would Hashem interest himself in this world? But then it's come from a point of apikarsis because the application is that Hashem doesn't. So we're going to just push it back a step and say, well, you see, Hashem created the world, so He did interest himself in all the details because He has to create them. And you can't argue with that He did create the world. You're not talking about the man; you're talking about apikaris. So He did create the world. So now you can't. It's not. It's not the implication. Therefore, He didn't. He did. So you just have to explain why He did. So ever we're going to answer the question. Why he created the world will be the same reason why he's interested in what the world is doing. That same, you said that same interest you see in the fact that Hakadosh Baruch paid attention to detail when he created it is the interest he has now in seeing what it does. The argument that Bikar is wasn't it, it was the opposite. At least in this, this argument we're discussing now, it wasn't it was too hard for Hashem. It was too insignificant for him. Why does he care about it? You're going, you're going a different direction, saying it's beyond his capability. It doesn't really make sense because, again, if you, if you the, the creator who could create the, all the details in the world, you're talking about a much, much more complex thing than just the amount of people. There are more cells in one person's body than the people in the world, or these atoms in the person's body than the people in the world. So Akash Baruch can multitask, and he can do a lot of things. The Machlokas here was just, at least this point of Apikaris was that Kilo. He thinks that she was too great to be concerned about such a thing. Like we said. And therefore the argument is, the creator it because he does care about it. Anyway, th- these are the three categories of Epicurus. And Epicurus is somebody who doesn't see an attachment between Hashem and the world. The world's Hefka. Lashon Epicurus, the world's Hefka. Now, 
the Raman throws a different point into the, in the middle here. And that is, he is the person who is kofer or machesh nevasesh al Moshe Rabbein. And there's a discussion here, what does Raman mean by that? Does he mean that his machesh, that Moshe Rabbein was a Navi? Or that his machesh, that Moshe Rabbein's nevur was different to every other every other Navi? And the reason why this is a question is because he doesn't say much more than that here, the Rambam, but when it comes to the Ikrim, so the Rambam spells that in first. That in the, the, the verse Moshe Rabbeinu, he was the Adon Nabim, and that his Nabim was different for anyone who came before him, anyone who came after him. So the idea is that not just that Moshe was a Navi, not just that Moshe was a Navi, the idea is that Moshe's Nabim was qualitatively different to every other Navi. But even in the first of the Rambam, that Napikoiris could believe in Nabim, and that there were Nabim, but he doesn't feel that Moshe's, either Moshe was an Avi, that Moshe's Nebo was you know, special, it was different to other Nebim, that's not the Karis too. That's not the Karis too. Not necessarily any clearer. Right. Now, there's a, why is that so important? In other words, the fact that there's no Nebo altogether. Okay, we understand. But uh, why would that be Rapi Karis? Why would that be Rapi Karis? So, we, we said the principle is, because it means that a person doesn't feel Hashem's connection to this world. That, that, that there's a connection between Hashem and this world. Well, that's that the no world. Right, that's the first point. But why isn't the book of Moshe Rabbein so essential to the kid of the book of one individual? He'll believe in Abraham, Yisrael, and Yaakov. He'll believe in Adon Nevim. What, what, why is the book Moshe so essential to being an Apikaris? And the answer is Pashat. It's just an extension. Moshe gave us the Torah. Which means the validity of the Torah is based on the fact that we become the Nebuah of Moshe. And uh, if a person is going to doubt the Nebuah of Moshe, or doubt the fact that Moshe's Nebuah was unchallengeable, then Ba'atim has no accepted the Torah. Because, because without, without accepting what Moshe told us, so where's the Mokar for the whole Torah? Um, there's a small difference, because uh, we're talking about the first difference also, but yes, the entire Nebuah The Mephoshim will ask the question. And this is said in the Rambam. Not just the Rambam, but here also in, in Ikrim, in, in the Christian Mishnais. And that is, uh, that's the case, when we know the story of the Torah. Moshe and Aaron, I mean, Miriam and Aaron, are surprised by the fact that Moshe has separated himself from his wife. And they say to each other, is, has Moshe only not been, Hadar Kambon will be Hashem. Hashem has spoken to us as well, and we weren't instructed so to separate from our spouses. And that's the case. Why is Moshe being different to us? And Hashem gets angry with him, and he comes to tell him, How dare you compare yourself to my servant Moshe? You're not in the same place at all. Moshe is that much greater than you. So the Mephoshim asks, What does that mean? Chas Vashalim. Miriam and Aaron were in the category of Mikoris, because they thought Moshe's Nebo was similar to this. If we're defining this principle that a person doesn't realize the primacy of Moshe's Nebo, so then if that's the case, so then. Uh, that's the show. How can we, how can we, so to speak, think of Miriam and Aaron, the greatest leaders we had, Moshe's own brother and sister, as being in the category of someone who didn't accept this principle of Ikram? How can it be? So yes, I mean, in a more dumbish way, there was only Nishadish then. The answer of Hashem to, Moshe, to Miriam and Aaron, that's when they were taught this lesson, the Moshe's of was different. They obviously accepted it. Hashem told it them clearly. But that's where we learned it from, and therefore we made it that it wasn't a shayim before that. But, uh, okay, it's an unmashayim, so it could be. 
There's another answer also. I think a more straightforward answer. And that is that it's a big difference. The idea we said of accepting the Nebuah of Moshe is because that's the source of the Torah. And if a person doesn't accept that this is what the Torah said, then that, or this is what the Moshe's Nebuah is accurate, then he hasn't accepted the Torah because what other proof do we have? That's what Hashem wanted us to do. Miriam and Aaron never denied that. They knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was giving the word from Hashem. They heard it themselves. They 100% accepted that. They said themselves, It was the only Moshe Hashem spoke. He spoke to us too. Which means they didn't deny that Hashem spoke to Moshe. They were very well aware of the fact. What they didn't know is that Moshe's level of Nebuah required him to act in a way different to them. That wasn't the Akash of the Nebuah of Moshe. It was Akash of what Moshe was doing which they didn't have to do. Was on Hagar, right? And therefore, there wasn't a shadow in Ikri. There wasn't a shadow that they didn't accept Moshe's level. The Nakura was that they just thought that maybe Moshe is not acting the right way, which is the same thing. A person even today can say Moshe made a mistake, as we see he did make mistakes. So Torah pointed out to us. It's not a hakoshin in the Nebuah of Moshe. The Nebuah of Moshe is the fact that Moshe gave us the Torah. If Moshe, as Moshe the individual, did things wrong, the Torah will tell us about it. In three or four different places, the Torah tells us Moshe did things wrong. Okay, so that's the that's the category of what he calls Nebuchadnezzar. Let's go on to the Baitzah. Let's go on to the Baitzah. The MS is, even though the concepts are different, if you're looking for the proofs of this, if you're looking for the proofs of this, the one proves the other one. Again, the Ram said there are three things. A person who denies the Buddha, or a person who denies that Hashem knows Maisa bin Adam. The Maisa, the two go hand in hand. Because every Navi said what people did. Every Navi came to say what people did or people are going to do. So you have both at the same time. The Nebuah is to tell us what people are going to do. So at the same time we have Nebuah, we have Hashem Jideh, Maisa bin Adam. Hashem knows what people do, not just after they done it. Hashem even knows before they did it. And that's what Nebuah is about. But I can give you many, many cases of Nebuah where Hashem told the Nabi something which a person was going to do and the person then went and did it. For example, this is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, Yirmiyawa Nabi was in a, a jail called the Khatsar Matara. And Hashem tells him, your uncle Khanam is going to come and tell you that he wants to sell you his, pra- his property and losses. You're going to buy it from him. So that means... No one was in the vote to Yirmiyahu, but Hashem knew what his uncle was going to do, and that's why he instructed him about it. Or, the same in the Yirmiyahu, when he says, the Melech Babel is on his way, he's marching to fight you. Or, that's another example, or, the Nebuah which Hashem gave, Mechiyahu ben Yimla, that he said, he, he, he saw, what's going to happen in the battle, Achel's going to go into battle and get killed. And many, many, many others, I'm just taking some just random examples, and that is, the Nebuah itself was the Raya, Hashem knows Maisa bin or every time the Navi came to warn us that something we did wrong. And the Navi comes and says, why did you do that? So how would the Navi know we did that? The answer is, Hashem told him. But that's coming from this, the point that Hashem is there, Maisa bin Adam. Hashem knows what people have done, and therefore he's coming to either tell the Navi to predict what people have did, or to, to punish them, to threaten them, or get them to try to chip for what they've done, which means within the Nebuah itself is the... Is the, is the element that HaKadosh Baruch knows what people are doing. It's very hard to imagine one without the other one. 
If a person's makarol the nevuz the Torah gave us, so then it's a raya brura that Hashem knows the people, not just those who are going to do as well. The only case you have this possibility is that a kid or a person accepts is a musa called nevuz. You're going to call it that, even though he's not he's not reading what the nevim actually said. Because if you look at what the Torah says, what the nevim told us, they're always talking to people that. They made it. If a person is a makarol nevuz, so then every nevuz is about what people did. You go back to Mitzrayim. Hashem told Moshe Rosh, Pari is going to do this, and Pari is going to do that, and Pari is going to say this, and Pari will refuse. It's all written. It's all written in Rosh. Hashem knows Hashem knows what people are going to do. Because those are the those are the three categories which work together. Let's see this one more joke in the Rambam. He says, I'm a shayin shem nevo klal. And then he says, the ain shem madash magir me'bar leb ne'adam. It's not just nevo. There's no way of Hashem so to speak, transferring what he wants to people. Now why this important is because this the Gemara says that even though there was a Gzera or there was a Takan or whatever the reason was, and Hashem decided in the time of Hashem at the beginning to take away Nebuah. To take away Nebuah and therefore since then it's not possible for Hashem to speak to a person anymore because Hashem decided he's removing this element of Nebuah from the world. Which is true. But nevertheless, there is still Madash Shemakiya Still the concept of information which Hashem wants people to know about and will come to people. What's this concept? What's this information? This is what we call Rukha Kanish. And it's Namish as he says. He says that it's a matter which is Magir Lebni Adam, Rukha Kadesh, the 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 Lashan that uh, the Ramban uses to define Ruach HaKodesh There's a, there's a, the feeling that the matter that they get Belibom, this is the Emes and that's also Mesa Boira that's what the Ramban says in the Gemara the Navi levat chokhmah. The Navi has a leiv of chokhmah, and the leiv of the Navi is not what he hears with his ears. The leiv of, of the Navi is where he picks up the, or sometimes Rosh Hakodesh is where he receives that feeling. We understand it. Okay, can you explain this, Ben Hashem? But uh, the same idea. You have to explain it. But it's uh, the yisoid. And so there are just two things. Uh, either the avikaris denies both. There's no interaction. Either nevur or madam. Either information or nevu, which means speech. And like I said, even though we lost the one, we never lost the other one. We never lost the other one. And therefore, there still is that connection. It's just in the sense of the matter, which is magir, lev adam, as opposed to nevu, which is had to be spoken, and which was something which, as a result of the pakosh that was against the that they ended already. Uh, first, is only two, other, two more out of the animamis, or a Three. third one? Three. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about Nevoah, he talks about Nevoah's Moshe, and then he leaves the ones at the Torah because they're still coming next. And then he goes to the dinner of Avi Demais and Nevoah. Right, he left at the Torah. He's talking about, like I said, interaction with Hashem. The Torah is another question. But Hashem will tomorrow when he talks about it. Like